What's up, boys? Welcome to episode 13 of Cue the Duck Boats podcast. Happy to say that we have our very special guest, Connor Green, back with us today. We have Kevin and myself to give our listeners a little special episode, a little half-season review. We're going to look at the Bruins. We're going to look at the NHL as a whole, the Olympics, kind of everything going on right now in the hockey world. I think this is going to be a very hockey-focused episode, and next week we'll get back to some football talk. But uh, how's everyone feeling today? We'll start with our guest, Connor. How you doing, buddy? How how you feeling? Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to be back on the podcast for what is it the the third time now? Yeah, it's a little bit of a break in the NHL schedule yet again, but uh, we have some All Star festivities this weekend and ready to talk about the half that was and the half that we hope it'll be. Yeah, definitely, Kev. How are you? How was your off day today? I'm doing good, you know. This weather definitely put a damper on things, but making the best out of it, doing this pod and hanging out with the boys. So it's really good. Glad, really glad we can make you feel that way. I really <laughs> am. Well, let's get right to it, guys. I mean, I think the biggest thing for us, we're gonna look at the Bruins at the halfway point in the year. How do we feel our Boston Bruins have done? I want we're gonna start with Connor, then we're gonna go with Kevin, then we'll go back to myself. I want one word that describes the Bruins season so far, Connor. Disappointing. Kevin. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely be a hit or miss. Like that's the whole season for me. Oh, uh, that's not one word, you cheater. Yeah, that's a I phrase. know I had you though. It's what it, it, it made it work. You know what? I'm gonna I guess I'm gonna I wanted to say to be desired, so I guess that's kind of a that's kind of a phrase too. Yes, I, join the three word. Three yeah, word I'll jump into mine first. I think so. The Bruins, to me, they've left something to be desired in every game. Almost there's been a few they haven't in every situation and every week. It's been this was great, this was great, this was great, or this sucked, this sucked, this sucked, and there's always been like something that just wasn't clicking for me. Something about this team just isn't completely clicking. When the offense is going great, we're seeing how bad our defense can be. When they're both playing good, our goaltending looks off. There's has just this, it doesn't work completely right. And I think that plays in a Connor's word of disappointing, right? Is that kind of your your look at it? Yeah. So mine is disappointing because of the product and the results. It's not necessarily on the team themselves, you know, as far as having a really clusterfuck i guess you could say of a schedule to begin the season as well as you know covid and injuries there hasn't been a lot of times where all the ducks have been in a row if you will shout out to the duck boats podcast yeah no i i completely agree it i guess a lot of things have gone weird this season not not almost wrong it's like weird like we have a weird schedule it's kind of been a weird goaltending situation which we'll get into later it's been weird with the covid and when it, it all struck and it's just like we have a trade request for the first time that I can remember as a Bruins fan in a long time with a player who's kind of prominent within the organization with DeBrusque. Yeah, like a lot of weird things. Yeah, multiple, multiple That's trade crazy. requests, right? Yeah, but I mean, Shanishin's not on the team, but he's still a first-round pick and a guy who at least we want at one time valued as a high prospect. I think a lot of people probably feel differently now. But like, it's just, it's been a weird year. Like nothing to this point has felt normal. I'm hoping the second half brings us some normalcy. I really am. Like, I don't like, you know, I, I just look at it. I'm like, I don't see, I don't see that we at the halfway point of this year have figured out if this team can win or if they can't, you know, that's just kind of how I look at it. How do you, anything else on that? 
kind of like it kind of is what it is, right? It's like we just don't quite have it. Yeah, but, and I mean, I think you you hit the nail on the head. You know, we don't necessarily know if this team can actually win or not. No, we have no idea. Like I, as, I will, as currently constructed, I would probably say no. No, I, I think I would agree too. I, one thing to look at right at the halfway point, though, some of our top players are catching stride. And that's something to be happy about. David Pasternak in 2022 is the NHL's leading goal scorer. Him and Chris Kreider are tied with 14 goals. That's huge. That's good. You want Pasta going. Taylor Hall looks like a new player playing with Pasta. Bergeron's being Mr. Steady. Brad Marchand is playing at an MVP pace. Charlie McAvoy is quietly has seven goals and 21 assists. That's a lot of points for a defenseman through 43 games. I think he's 28 points in 43 games. Maybe he's played less, even, to be honest. I think he actually has missed a couple games, so he's played less. Like, th- those guys are are catching their stride. Like, how do you feel, you know? Like, how do you look at that? Well, with Pasternak, I would say that he's trying to catch up for what he couldn't produce to begin the season. And as far as McAvoy, you know, yes, you could say that he's – under the radar as far as his production so far this season. But if you look at him in comparison with the Bruins defense as a whole, you're still not satisfied because the rest of the defensive core is pretty much meh as far oh, as point production. Absolutely. I agree completely. Kev, I mean, you, you've said that yourself too. Like when you look at the Bruins defense, like there's not producing the way you would hope they would. I think like since we've lost Krug, there's never been like a, oh, the defense is really producing and helping with the offense, right? No, exactly. And like when you watch game in and game out, it's like they're not clearing the way they used to. They're not. It's just they're leaving the puck in the zone. And like that's when we get burned, especially like closing out games. So that's been a huge part of it. And it's been disappointing. It's It's sad to watch. When you have a lead like that, and then all of a sudden you squander it just because you can't clear a puck. Poof, disappear. Yeah. Right. Do you remember when, like, if the Bruins had a two-goal lead going into the third period, it was like, ah, well, we got this one. This one's in the bag. Right. You I don't feel that way about it. It was... I don't ever feel safe anymore. I really don't. One thing, though, that is legit, by the analytics, by the eye test, by the numbers, Grizzlick and McAvoy together are a very good pair. Analytically, they are in the top three in most charts and number one in a lot of them for how they rank. The rest of our decor is not. That is the problem. We have yeah. to fix the rest. Especially with Brandon Carlo. It's like it's I so think much to step desired. back this year. It's that yeah, I, I think I, that's gonna be we'll jump into it right now. We can we'll skip around Perfect. our chart a little bit here. My biggest disappointment for the Boston Bruins through 2021-2022 season so far, Brandon Carlo. I And I'm a big Carlo fan. I still am a big Carlo fan. I think Carlo's a leader in the locker room. I think he can be a leader on the ice. I think we saw him play Colorado. He looked like that player. In his hometown, he looked like that player. That player that we know is in there. But it hasn't been there on a nightly basis, and it drives me crazy because Carlo should be their number two defenseman. Not playing on the first line. But they're number two defensemen, and it's just he's not. So it throws me off. Yeah, I mean, I think Brandon Carlo this season is a product of his circumstance. So he seems to be the one that has the revolving wheel of defensive partners. Um, Having Matt Grizzlick ride shotgun with Brandon Carlo does not work. By the numbers, 
that is one of the worst defensive pairings the Bruins put together on the ice. He has really good numbers with Mike Riley. And at the same token, Mike Riley is looking overpaid right now, which I didn't say at the beginning of the season, but it's there's more often than not, you're not noticing him on the ice. I agree completely, but analytically, which I think analytics are 50% bullshit. I'm an eye test guy. I'm a hockey purist, if you will. <laughs> he's great analytically. The analytic people are like, he's a good defenseman. He's in the top 10 percentile, blah, 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 blah. The eye test doesn't say that to me, though. When you when you have a great breakout of the zone, you skate fluidly, and then you turn the puck over, and they come in on a two-on-one 50% of the time, I don't uh, – that, that does not pass my eye test. It just – he went from me a guy who just produces points on a terrible Ottawa team to someone who's simply not. So, yeah, no, that's not working for me, to be honest. I think Mike Riley could be a good bottom pair defenseman for the Bruins. Absolutely. But – Something's got to go. Like something has to change in that deep air. But I'll circle it around. We really just talked about my guy, Kevin. Who is your biggest disappointment for the Bruins season so far? Um, like definitely uh, Nick Foligno. Like, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of hype going going in with him, like the agent signing, <clears throat> and he really hasn't done anything. So, in scored goals, hasn't gotten assists. A lot of injuries. injuries and, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I can't disagree with that. Connor, you probably, what's yours? Um, hmm. I am probably, without even knowing his stats off the top of my head, I'll say Craig Smith. Yeah. Because you're playing with Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron. You should be mopping up some points. Yep. And he really, he really hasn't been. And to me... Yes, you put pasta down on the second line to spread out, you know, your your offensive production. But if you put somebody up on the first line who just shoots the puck off the goaltender's pads 98% of the time, that's that's not really bang for your buck. Yeah, I mean, so you're looking at Smitty, he has six goals, eight assists for 14 points in 36 games. Not terrible, definitely not what you want out of Craig Smith. Craig Smith is a goal scorer. He's been a goal scorer his whole career. He's and, never in his whole career played with better players than Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand because almost no one has. So, like, yeah. he should be producing at a much higher tick than that. And he's getting the chances, too. That's the hardest part. It's like the chances are there. In his last one, two, three, four, five games, he's dash three with one point. That ain't great. Nope. That ain't great. So those Not are at three. all. And look, so, like, when we look at the Bruins, right, as we thought this team was going to be to start the year. If our three highlights were Craig Smith, Brandon Carlo, and Nick Foligno, we'd be looking at a Stanley Cup favorite. If those three players were shining stars on this team, on top of the studs we have that we know will be studs, we'd be looking at this team like, wow, we have something special here because that's what it's supposed to be. You're supposed to have your two top flight speedy defensemen in Grizzlick and McAvoy with a puck-moving defenseman in Riley and a shutdown defenseman in Carlo. That second pair has let us down, and our depth scoring has let us down. Craig Smith and Nick Foligno were supposed to be bona fide veteran scoring and guys to help drive play. Smith has done it in a bit and some flashes. Foligno's done it in some flashes. Neither have been consistent. Neither have been what the Bruins need them to be. And I think that's the biggest problem. 
but I don't just want to be negative. I really don't just want to be negative. Let's jump in and now we'll, we'll reverse it all around. What are our favorite things that we saw this year so far? Connor, you can start. You look ready to go. Start it up. To be honest, I don't know if I have a favorite thing that's come off of this roster so far. I would say nothing. Nothing. Nothing, nothing has impressed me. Nothing has exceeded wow. my expectations. <laughs> All right. Just being gonna, honest. Kev, I'll let you go last on this one. You look dumbfounded by that response. The negativity is just killing poor Kevin. He's a happy fella. I'm going to go <laughs> with Brad Marshawn. Brad Marshawn's playing above what I expected of him. And I expect a lot out of Brad Marshawn. I think it shows that a healthy Brad Marshawn makes a difference. And obviously he's a little banged up now, but he's healthy for the first time in the last three years, the last couple of years, you know what I mean? And I think Marshawn is playing at an even higher level than I've ever seen him play. So I guess he's my highlight. Not saying that I didn't expect him, I guess, to play good because I did. He's my highlight so far this year. Going into this year, I didn't think that I genuinely was going to feel like Brad Marshawn was a heart candidate, and I really do. So that was the name that first popped into my mind. But he has 49 points halfway through the season. I expect him to be close to a hundred point player every season. So right now he's, he's really not blowing the doors off of my brain here. When I think about the NHL Bruins. Yeah, but you have to look, he's only played 38 games. I, I mean, I think Marshall is a hundred point player this year. He de- I, I, I would like, if he stays healthy and doesn't get suspended, I guarantee Brad Marshawn is a... And he doesn't get suspended. Yeah. Brad Marshawn <laughs> plays 75 games. He's a hundred point player. I think we can agree on that. Yeah. So, like, I mean, but yeah. No. Kevy, what's yours? What is your highlight of this Bruins season? Who is the guy you're looking at and you're like, that's why I get out of the bed in the morning? Who is it? I mean, it's Marshan. Like, just like you, it's the only guy, like, the consistency and from start to finish has kind of been there. And I don't know, like, Connor's saying, it's tough because really no one's really stood out. We expected more to this team. It's right, that, it's that it's simple. Like, right? It's possible. You should have been at thirty goals already, it's, or close to it. Not just breaking the twenty goal mark. It's he just came on late the last like month, month and a half, and oh yeah, it's been sure. tough. It's he was supposed to come out firing, and just he has it. So it's been, but he has now. But that's why it's like now he's getting heated up. But he wasn't to start the year, and I think Pasta dealt with things this off season, obviously that we've all we've discussed before, and we all feel for him for. it's it's inevitable that that had to affect him a little bit and i think even in his interviews and the way you see him in on social media and stuff pasta looks like he's starting to become pasta again that's good for him as a person most importantly and it's good for the boston Bruins. so like that that i like to see and i'm i'm hopeful with the direction he's going in that he's returning to that dominant form which is great for the boston Bruins. we're gonna circle around here we're gonna go back to something that kind of like has been a little bit of a black cloud over the bruins for the last couple months and we've talked about it the players with the trade request but they've been unanswered what is do you think that has an effect on this team the morale of this team connor like how do you think this affects the root of the boston bruins right now that these trade requests are still looming it's like does this guy want to be here does he not obviously he doesn't because he asked for a trade do you think it's looming over the team or like they're handling it fine they're veteran group enough they just brush it off complete non-factor i think the statement that bergeron made shortly after the debrusque trade request came out about him you know coming back to the rank showing up doing the work being a professional etc has been exactly what you've seen and i think it's an absolute non-factor to the point where i wouldn't be surprised if 
things don't go well and don't pan out into a trade or a package or, you know, one for one, anything like that, that Don Sweeney would be completely comfortable holding on to Jake DeBrusque until the off season. You know what? I would love to argue with you on this topic, but I, I agree. I think that Jake DeBrusque has carried himself like a man through this. He has played hard, if not harder. He's still celebrating his teammates' successes. He still looks like he's having a good time, and he has showed up in almost every game. After his trade request, they sent him up to the 19th floor. They treated him how you would treat someone who requested a trade for a week or two. He came back, and he sniped a goal in that first game back. He showed he still wants to play, and he's worked his ass off, in my opinion. I respect Jake DeBrus more now than I did before, and I've always been a DeBrus fan. If the Bruins keep Jake DeBrus and don't trade him, I won't be mad. It just is what it is. If they don't, if the right deal doesn't happen with him, it is what it is because he's playing. He's playing hockey. You know what I mean? Like, much you're gonna get bothered. He has seven goals, eight assists. Do you want more to DeBrus? Yeah, but he's still he's he's playing hockey. He's scoring goals. He's helping the team. He's not hurting the team. And, and that's what I think it boils down to. If you're trading DeBrusque by the deadline. You're either A, getting a one-for-one for for somebody who's probably a little bit younger and going to be more of a future piece, which doesn't help you now, or you're going to package him with some other assets to try and go, you know, big game hunting. So it really boils down to you're not going to get the same value in production out of that roster spot than Jake DeBrusque will give you, in my opinion. No, unless you're, unless... of course, going to you know package another prospect and a first-round yeah. pick you know, for one of the big names out there. But that's, that's the only way. Different. Yeah. That's the only but way. But you're giving up a lot more assets for somebody <clears throat> who is somewhat comparable to what DeBrusque can bring to the table. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I just don't know. Like, If it's a great trade, then great, and we win the trade, we'll be happy. I just don't want him to throw away Drake DeBrusque, and I think they've proven they're not going to do that. They, they're they clearly comfortable keeping him, right? Like, I mean, I don't know. Kev, what I do you want to see I think this conversation's being had oh, yeah. with DeBrusque and his agent. Oh, it has to be. that They have to be like, hey, like, you're showing you still want to be – you're still not that you want to be here, but you're still playing hard, right? So it's like – it's got to be – it's a tough situation. Kev, how do you feel about DeBrusque? You got anything on him? Yeah, no, it's just – he stayed the course. Like, Yeah, he, that's the best way like, to put it. Yeah, he wants out, but it's like, just I want out doesn't mean I'm going to give up on you guys. Like, you're my teammates. I'm on this team. I'm getting paid to play here. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play here. I'm going to show you this is what the best I have to offer. What he's done, and like, what is very respectable when you look at Jake DeBrusque and that. But it's also like, like you guys have been saying, like, you don't want to give him up for nothing. You want to make sure you're getting something in return that's fair to the Bruins. And don't throw away a player that's. He is contributing. Like sometimes he's, he has the goals. Sometimes he has, sometimes he has the assists. But like he has the effort there every night. He's not giving up. So it's why get rid of him for a player that's not going to contribute when you have a guy that's contributing. That's my biggest thing. Said like really like you you really are just like listening to talks like poetry, Kev. I agree more than I ever. Oh, thank you. Sometimes he gets goals. (laughs) Some nights he gets assists. Sometimes he doesn't. I couldn't have said it better myself, but just look at the other black cloud of the Boston Bruins, right? This year, the other thing we've talked about every episode that we still don't have answers. And I feel like a broken record saying is our goaltending questions. What is going on with Tuca? 
What is going on with the Bruins goaltending in general? Like what is going on, Connor? What are you hearing? What do you think they're thinking? Well, right now I think they are having some buyer's remorse on the bringing Tuka Rask back. But with the complete unknown of Jeremy Swayman and Linus Olmark in the postseason, I think it was almost a necessity to bring in somebody that has playoff experience. So this is probably the one part of the show that I did the most prep for. So I did some digging. Now, everybody loves Jeremy Swayman. I get it. He's the flashy new toy. He's got the cute hugs with Omar after a victory. It's just a lovable story. However, Jeremy Swayman has played seven games this season against playoff contention teams. He is a combined one win in six losses against those teams with an 8.65 save percentage. What does that tell me? It tells me that the guy is not that great against good teams right now, or yet, anyway. That was when you told me that stat yesterday. I was like, no way. And I went and looked it up, and I was like, ooh. Yeah, most it, of it, his... Uh, the Bruins knew that. That's why they brought Tuka back. That's why they elevated Olmark in that situation. We were blinded by it because we had it a was shiny, shiny new toy. New toy. We had a shiny new toy, and that's what every single sports team fan base does. Swayman's going to be a great goalie. I fully believe that. He's also super young, and it takes time for goaltenders especially to get into form. Obviously, like you look at Tuka's played four games. He has a 4.28 goals against average and has an 8.44. Atrocious. The, the leash is not long. Like I think Tuka has three or four more games if he doesn't clean that up. Swayman's the backup goalie, and we have – I don't agree at all. But Bruce said it. They're giving him seven, eight games. But I don't think Swayman's going to be the backup. I think they're they're tied into this right now. I think they just wanted it to be more of a 60-40 or 50-50 split between Allmark and Rask. So you think if Tuka plays terrible for the next weeks, he's still staying on the team as the backup? I do. What are you going to do to him? He's got a complete no-move clause. I, I think that Tuca controls that himself. I think that if Tuca Rask knows he can't play for this team and can't actually help, he'd leave on his own power. I trust Tuca enough to do that. And I, I like for me, like don't don't get me wrong, I want Tuca to be successful. Like I'm a Tuca Rask fan. I hope Tuca gets it together, is feeling a little better after this this break he has, and comes out and he gets ready and used to the NHL shots again. That's what I hope happens. I want Tuca to be our starting goalie. But Linus Holmark is. 16 and 6 with a 2.64 goals against isn't great and a 913, which is okay. He's not bad. He's serviceable. He's not what's so making us lose games. Those those numbers I don't want to look too far into. No, I know. Take the first two months of the season He's completely out of the picture. And you're looking at completely different statistics, and you're like, oh my god, he's actually pretty good. A goaltender coming into a new system takes a while for them to get comfortable, <clears throat> see how the team's going to play in front of them, you know, the team reacting to their goaltender behind them, etc. That takes some time and some massaging to work. Not, now, to, not to disagree with you, but I'm going to give you a little devil's advocate here before you hit your next point. 
His last five games, starting at January 20th, he has an 824 save percentage against Colorado, a 902 – I'm sorry, against Washington, a 902 against Colorado, a 968 against Arizona, which is elite. Against Dallas, he had a 733. And against Seattle, he had a 926. So he is showing that he kind of is up and down even still now. But is his head a little messed up? Is he a little rattled with losing his buddy in Swayman and having Rass come in there? What did, Do you think Rass messed with the dynamic at all? No. I think two of those games that you mentioned that were kind of subpar, the team took an absolute dump in front of him for. For one, the the Dallas game, just throw that out. That was yeah, not a mark whatsoever. And the Avalanche game, that would have been a blowout without oh, yeah. between the yeah. pipes. No, you're right. And actually think about the game itself. You're right. Yeah. So again, that's, you know, the analytics versus the eye test. Eye test. But ultimately, do you remember a couple of years back when the Capitals won their Stanley Cup? Do you remember what happened in their first playoff series of that season? Yeah, Holpe wasn't the starting goalie. Correct. He didn't play the first two games, and they went with another goaltender. I don't remember exactly who it was. And I was just he, trying to think that too. He laid a couple eggs, and then Holtby's back in, and he's the starter. Well, the New York Islanders did the same thing. They started Sorokin for, I believe it was a game or two, within the last couple of years, and he didn't do so hot. And Varlamov took over, and they went on a little bit of a run. I think that is exactly what you're going to see from the Bruins for this postseason. I think Olmark in the team's management mind is their playoff starter a hundred percent. And if he lays an egg or shows that he can't do it, Tukarask is right there who's proven time and time again that he can do it. It was Philip Grubauer who was the Philip goalie Grubauer. at the time. Yeah, go. no, I, I I don't disagree. I mean we'll we'll see how it all goes. Kev, who is your ideal Two goalies in Boston. What what would you want to see? Oh, that's tough. Good thing. I like all three. I know that's that's the hardest part. It's like Omar. He's had his nights, but then he's had his good nights. So it's like it's tough to just throw him under the bus. But and Rask has some like Rask. But in a perfect situation, it's Tuka Rask and Jeremy Swayman or me. If Rask is back to Rask. That'd be the only thing. It'd be those two. All right. That's fair. I mean, I I think at this stage in his career, I think our best bet is with a healthy Tukarask and a Linus Allmark. But that's just kind of where I'm going with it. But we can agree to disagree on that one and keep it moving back to Connor's section. Yeah, we Let's can, go. Jake. We oh, can. Glad. I'm really glad we can. Connor, who are your top trade targets right now for the Boston Bruins? What are you hearing? Ooh. Um, well, obviously, Jacob Chikrin is still there and on the table. Um, that's really not changed. It seems like everything's slowing down on Arizona side. They're really, you know, sitting on their hands, taking their time, trying to, to milk a better return. Um, I, I had heard, excuse me, that the Bruins did make an offer to the coyotes. Um, I know we, we had talked about this privately a couple days ago. Um, but it was Jake DeBrusque, a first-round pick, and Jeremy Swayman. That was the rumored offer that I heard, you know, at the water cooler. 
See, I, did, I just have a tough time with that. Like, I think that it's just a little bit of an overpay for Chikrin. I really do. Um, I know I, you don't, right? You don't think it's an overpay. I just, I don't like including Swayman in these deals. But then again, I mean. I think everybody outside of Bruins front office is completely overvaluing Swayman. Yeah, could be. I mean, they, they could be. And if they are, right, you take advantage of it. But I just, I don't know. I mean, you never know. You really don't know with goaltending because look at Carter Hart. You know? Correct. Look Jordan Bennington, Matt Murray. Yeah. I know. Goalies don't – the longevity on goaltenders is not as long as it was in a way. I don't know if that makes sense. Like every goalie is not going to be Tuka Rask and Henrik Lundqvist. Correct. They're not going to be elite for the amount of time that they're elite for. They just really won't. And you're not just like – I can't I, – just, just so everybody knows, I'm going to pause the podcast and say it. We just watched Kev just rip off a selfie right now. Like he was smiling, looking at his phone like a total clown. But we'll jump back into that. I know, and I, I don't know. Like I think it's just like the shiny new toy thing. Like I just – I don't want to get too infatuated with the idea of like a young goaltender that can be our goalie for the next 10 years when our team might suck in four or five years. You know what I mean? So we might as Correct. well go for it now. So if you're getting a piece like – a a big defenseman. It is super important. So I don't know. It's just like, if the trade happened, would I be sad? Yeah. But would I be happy we got Chikrin? Yeah. Who else are you hearing? So one quick timeout. Did everybody in Boston forget about Kyle Kaiser? Yeah. No, I know Kyle. Ke- yeah. But he hasn't like, he, w- he was the heir apparent before Jeremy Swayman came out of left field. It was Kyle Kaiser is most likely going to be the goaltender of the future. Well, Dan Vladar. Uh, but still, he had a backup goaltending ceiling. Kyle Kaiser was meant to be the starter of the future. That was all the talk between all of Bruins front office management, all media fans. Like That was going to be the future until Jeremy Swayman came out of nowhere and absolutely wowed people last season. If it wasn't for that, I don't think we are having, you know, any kind of discussions about trading Jeremy Swayman. I think it would be completely normal and nobody would have any issue with it. But yeah, I, I don't love Kaiser's numbers. I know it's like it's hard to look at, like, because I haven't watched him play much. So it's, it's tough. I'm not even going to get into that because it's just who am yeah. I to look at goalie analytics in all honesty? Like, I'm just going to fuck <laughs> off with that, <laughs> to be honest. I'll take yeah. it. I mean, I've seen him play a couple times in Providence. I've liked what I've seen. So that's kind of that. So now as far as some other trade targets, um, the Bruins are in on a couple players from Vancouver who seem to be completely wide open for business except for about three players. Um, but the ones that the Bruins are kind of harping on there is Connor Garland and, of course, again, J.T. Miller, somebody that we've talked about previously. Now, for for me personally, Connor Garland doesn't make sense. It is J.T. Miller that the Bruins should be looking for out of Vancouver. Like, give up the whole, you know, you're from Boston, you need to play for the Bruins bit. If you're trading for Connor Garland, that is just a mild replacement for Jake DeBrusque which we don't even really need Jake DeBrusque on this lineup when people are healthy. So that, that doesn't move the needle for me at all. You, 
you have any remarks you want to say about those couple names before we yeah so like i i agree like jt miller is my guy like if i could pick one guy i want the bruins to get is jt miller i think jt miller centering pasta and taylor hall is unreal Connor Garland, I'd like to, but I think the guy there is JT Miller. That's the guy we'd want. That is the should be the apple of the Bruins eye. Him and Thomas Hurdle, but we've heard less about Hurdle. Why are we hearing less about Hurdle? Heard anything about that? Yes. Um, he's actually in contract negotiations to sign an extension. So oh. the reason why this is kind of new is because nobody knew or expected Evander Kane to just be cut and released and his contract terminated that freed up the money that the sharks needed to be able to put an offer, a legitimate offer on the table to extend hurdle. Makes so sense. that's kind of where things are going. And the sharks are good at resigning their players, just like Don Sweeney and the Bruins. So my expectation is if they're having those talks, he's probably going to sign a new contract. I know that team's doing okay too. They're, they're 22 and 20. It's like a little better than where I thought they were going to be. They just lost Eric Carlson though. Carlson's getting surgery. So that definitely affects their, that team's playoff hopes for sure. You know, they're yeah. like, they're in the mix. They're definitely all that. The Pacific is the weakest division right now in the NHL. I think, yep. don't you? Like, and they're just like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, I think you have Vegas though. and then fill in the, the other teams. And yeah. the, but like you look at, I mean, like the the California teams, the Kings and the Ducks have done pretty good. Those two, so I mean, the Ducks are that, a facade. They are just overperforming. I think we all understand that. They have yeah. some young players who look at. Troy they don't Terry. have anything to worry about. They don't have any expectations. They don't have any stress about the year. They're going out and playing, and they're having a great year. They're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs. I think they're not built for the playoffs. I don't think their management understands that. That's why I still think they'll be a seller, regardless if they're in a wild card spot or not. Um, LA, I think LA is one to two players away from being something that could be legit in the playoffs again. Yeah, it, it reminds me of what was it? It was either I think it was 20, 2012 when they were the eighth seed and they, they went won. and won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. That's what this team reminds me of. And then of course, you know, you have Edmonton in that division who who knows. If Holland can pull off a trade to get a legitimate goaltender, that is going to be a horrible team to want to play against. Oh yeah, no one. No, it's like the Bruins. As much as we talk bad about them, no one wants to play them in the playoffs. That's a fact. Like nobody wants to play them. No mm-hmm. one's like, yeah, we get McDavid in round one. It's like, uh, no, <laughs> exactly. Like, who wants that? Just yeah, doesn't... I mean, they have all the pieces in place aside from a goaltender to make a legitimate cup run. Evander Kane just made it even better for them. Oh yeah, but I think that team is going to have. A lot of uphill climbing to do to get rid of the Koskinen contract and replace it with somebody suitable on a long-term basis. Yep, I don't disagree at all. I think that's a that was a mistake. I mean, they've made mistakes that like a team with that much draft capital that they've had just it just shouldn't have went this way. It just doesn't. It's just like the anomaly. Like any other organization with the amount of draft capital they've had, 
and Connor McDavid would be in such better shape than they are. I just don't like it's just ugh. I know you and I have actually argued about this before, like privately. Like I think that it's one big thing is like no one wants to play in Edmonton. I think like Edmonton just sucks. And that's like a problem. And I get that a hundred percent from listening to Ryan Whitney talk. So I don't know like how legit that is. Never been to Edmonton. I just listen to Wit complain about Edmonton. So I don't so, know if that's just all bullshit or like if it's real. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's also from his day playing yeah. for the Oilers. Now they have state of the art facilities. They have fantastic players in their lineup. You know, they have a good organization. You know, to me, I don't think anybody is going to say no if Edmonton, you know, throws them a similar contract to say, you know, the New York Rangers and Edmonton Oilers give you an identical deal. I don't think you say, eh, I'm not going to go to Edmonton because it's cold. I think you no. do. I think you'd go to the Rangers over Edmonton all day. That was a bad well, comparison. That was probably a terrible comparison <laughs> yeah. because you're living in New York City, but you know what I mean. Kev, where would you rather play, New York City or Edmonton? You've been quiet over there, buddy. Uh, New York all day. Even as, the big guy, even, okay, as guy? even as a Boston guy? Even as a Boston guy, you're playing for – yeah, you're playing New York. It's, you got our Teddy Oh, Edmonton. Oh, oh, Canada. Canada's not that great, man. Why? Oh, <laughs> Au contraire, it, my favorite, one of my favorite cities in the whole world is Toronto. I love Toronto. Yes. I don't love the Maple Leafs, but I love Toronto. And you know what? I love going to a Maple Leafs game. I went to a Maple Leafs uh, Flyers game. Great experience, honestly. I love the city of Toronto, so I won't let you slander Canada like that. But I mean, I know Ben. I'm supposed to go to Montreal. <laughs> I was supposed to go to Montreal this year. What were you going to do there? I don't know. My, uh, my brother's like one of his good friends lives in Montreal. We grew up there, so. I'll go as you want. I want to go to so. my goal is to go to every rink. I want to go to every single rink. I mean, I'm gonna do it, but like, I definitely, I will, I have not been to Montreal, so I would definitely go. See, that's, that's me in baseball. I'm gonna go to every baseball park. So you're gonna go catch an Expos game when you're in Montreal? No. <laughs> All right, Connor. Going into this, no. you told me you had some hot takes. You had uh, some hot stove takes. Can we hear them? Did we already hear them? Have they already been fired out at us, or do you have well, any? Right. I want to see my three actions right now. Come on. So. The one was the Jeremy Swayman bit. You thought we were going to get a little more wild on that? No, I didn't fully get into it. I think that no matter what happens with Tuka Rask, Jeremy Swayman is destined to be the 1A in Providence for the rest of the season. I think even if Rask completely lays an egg, he it is more beneficial to you as your organization being the Boston Bruins to let Jeremy Swayman get the bulk of the games in Providence than to be riding some pine in Boston. Long-term, most definitely. If he's not going to be splitting games with Olmark like he was, most definitely, you're right. I'm not arguing with that. I think if they're going to keep doing the split, the Sway and Olmark split and not let one of them completely get confidence and roll, I disagree with it, to be honest. But if that's what they want to do, they, they would do that. But yeah, no, I you want you want your young prospects to be on the ice playing hockey. I agree completely. There's no argument there. Now, I wish I had more for you. But I, I don't think the Bruins are actively trying to trade Swayman, like you're hearing. That I don't agree with. But then again, if it's for a big enough piece, anyone's for sale. You know what I mean? Like if it's for exactly. a young stud defenseman on a good contract, anyone's for sale. And Bruins fans don't believe that because they're just they don't I'm not gonna get into it. <laughs> they just don't think enough about like long-term picture and stuff here right so like it's like oh you don't want to trade away your young goalie the future but you need young defensemen of the future just as much you can so, only get a veteran goalie who can play hockey they're out there 
defenseman of the future out there. The defenseman of the future, I don't think you really need to address. You have like on on the things of priorities, you have Grizzlick, McAvoy, and Carlo. That's three out of six. That is good enough that you can find some free agents as you go and to develop. Mason Lowry is going to be a player for Holbachinen, Jakob Zaboral. Before Zaboral's injury, he was was looking great. And Vakanainen has proved he can be a player too. So I think if the Bruins want to win now, they need some more defensemen. Defensemen in the future, I think we might be okay. I really do. I, I mean, because our defensemen aren't old. It's not like we don't have Chara and uh, Kevin Miller on the blue line. You know what I mean? Those guys are gone. That era is gone. I think so. ideally, because here's the reality. Every team that the Bruins go knocking on the door and they say, hey, you know, we're interested in A, B, and C. You know what? Those teams are turning around for those big name players. And they say, Oh, Jeremy Swayman looks great. We're interested in him. Virtually every team like the coyotes, they need goaltending prospects. Their goaltending of the future is, eh, you know, that's, that's going to be one of their big ass. Like another team that's involved in the Jacob Chikrin sweepstakes is St. Louis who has three good goaltenders. One of them being a prospect and that's being discussed in a Jacob Chikrin deal. For me, if I'm the Bruins, I am not trading Jeremy Swayman for anybody on the back end. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, not even Jacob Chikrin. But if you tell me that the Bruins are going to get a second-line center who's got three to four years of term left, that's huge. Jeremy Swayman, goodbye. Because yeah, we, don't we have, have Linus Olmark. Yeah, I mean, Olmark is signed for a semi quote unquote long term. Correct. That's a long time, in my opinion. Of course it is. For me, if he plays good over those four years, he could get another three. Correct. And he could be their goaltender riding into the future until you see, you know, that Kyle Kaiser come up and start playing behind him. And don't forget, you, goalies don't usually play at 21, 22 years old. Correct. Goaltenders hit their prime at 27, 28, 29. And they can play later. Yes. Typically. If their hips um, don't blow out. Correct. Hips and knees. So for me, I think if if you look at the Bruins in their lineup and then you look at the now and the future – Jeremy Swayman doesn't need to factor in to either. I'm sorry if this hurts your your feelings as a Bruins fan, but he's not affecting you now because you have Raskin Olmark. And in the future, you're still going to have Olmark, and you can sign veteran goaltenders until the end of time on one- to two-year deals to be a backup and be perfectly suitable. And he would be a prime trade chip to get you a center that you can have for the next three to four years and to carry you into the next quote-unquote core of the Bruins. Because as soon as Bergeron retires, which is, you know, it's not guaranteed that he's coming back next season. I really think he is, but... And it's it's not not guaranteed that it's coming to the Bruins because he has been on record saying... He is going to the free agent market and to see what is out there. 
No, he no, he no, he was not. That was that was misquoted. He followed it up by saying that he could only see himself playing for Boston. That's what everybody he, says. That's yeah, what Tom he, Brady said for crying out loud. Yeah, I mean, I just don't. But, but I mean, Montreal. Whoa, whoa, don't a, don't sign it on the Tom's. Still sensitive. Right. <laughs> I just I'm not gonna say I don't think Patrice Bergeron plays for any other team. I would bet a lot of money on that unless it's Wade. Unless he decides to keep playing way down the road like Char did, he's not doing that either. This is not Patrice Bergeron. Bergeron, Jesus, this is not Patrice Bergeron's swan song. He's playing another year, I think. I think that at max, he has another two to three years, max. I think or number two Bruins, years, really, max. One to two years. I think if the Bruins fumble the ball here and don't make it into the playoffs or are a one and oh, done. They're making the playoffs. I think that that could change a lot of things for him. Yeah. If the Bruins don't make the playoffs, I will – lose my mind the next closest team is detroit they've played four more games than us and they have nine less points by god the bruins are making the playoffs <laughs> like really the playoffs in the east are almost set like literally the playoff teams in the east are the panthers the lightning the maple Leafs, the bruins this is the perfect time to segue let's jump off our bruins talk i feel like we could we're sounding almost like broken records now we're going to get in a little nhl talk but before we do that i just want to give everyone a quick reminder that out from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink at BetUS. BetUS has all your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines. I'm going to put a little pause in the ad read here. They also have Olympic betting lines. I checked them out today. They are good for, for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for a 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK, that's R-I-N-K, for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid, BetUS.com. Guys, yesterday, you could have bet on Team USA's women's team, minus 1.5, plus 165, that would have been the easiest bet in the world. I woke up today, I was like, Kev, we got to bet on Team Canada, they're playing Finland, the women, they're going to blow them out. Bet US had already caught up. The line was like minus three point three and a half. They put the puck line at three and a half, and they were still <laughs> minus one fifteen. I was like, "Oh, these they caught up quick." I thought we we're going to be able to beat the books today, but didn't didn't happen for us. But all right, let's get into it. We're going to kind of do like the same structure as we were, just in a little summed up version. What's your biggest surprise of the NHL season so far this year, Connor? Biggest surprise, not Bruins related. Mm. Does it have to be a good surprise or can it be a bad surprise? No, good surprise. Then you're going to do your biggest letdown. Okay. Good surprise. Florida Panthers. You've been the absolute fucking joke of the NHL, aside from Arizona, for who knows how long. And I am so happy that they could put a crowd of 18,000 people up on the Jumbotron. Shout out Kodak Black. Hey, Kodak, get it. Oh, I threw you off so bad. <laughs> I guess we'll end. We'll end it right there. Connor, so all I could think of at that back. point was the video in <laughs> Kodak, that. and I was like, Kodak, yeah, I'm done. "Get it, get it, get it." This this Kodak Black and Tic Tac, Tic Tac, yeah, Jesus, Tic Tac. I can't it, talk today it. at all. I ran out of my water like two minutes into the pod, so like I feel like you can hear it in my voice. Kev, what's your biggest surprise? Biggest positive surprise in the NHL season so far? It's definitely the LA Kings and the Anaheim Ducks, like the California babies. Right, they just. They're they're on the map now. It's like 
they're in the top three of the Pacific, like they're not in the wild card. And then you have teams like St. Louis, Calgary, and Edmonton in the wild card. So it's like, damn, like where did they come from? My biggest surprise, and I guess I shouldn't have been surprised by this, but I've always seen them as little brother and a team that doesn't matter, is how legit Rod the Bod has the has the Hurricanes. The Carolina Hurricanes are a legit Stanley Cup threat. Uh, they're damn near close to my favorite at this point. And I like I did not think I would ever say that. Like six years ago, I would have laughed in your face. <laughs> if you're like, I'm a Carolina Hurricanes fan. I have friends who live down there. I see their like snap stories and they're always at the games. The games look like they're they're great. There are people that are having fun. They're not doing the storm surges and all that stupid gimmick stuff as much. And they're just winning hockey games. So like I think that's my biggest surprise. I enjoyed the storm surge. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna like I have a lot of like you're such an old man hockey takes, but I like the storm surge. I don't know. It was fun. It was exciting. It it brought them. So I, I, you, you, you're right. I'm wrong. You're right. You can keep going. Right. Whoa. Okay. That almost threw me off as bad as the Kodak moment. But hey, Jeez. just so everyone knows, for our third podcast pause, Kevin just changed his background to a brick wall. He just found out that in Streamyard and in Zoom, you can change your backgrounds. So shout out Kevin. We'll keep this rolling. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know what you mean. I'll, I'll help you finish off there. I know exactly what you mean. I, it is good for the game. It helped build their brand. I feel like Don Cherry when I say I don't like it, so I'll just stop. You win. There you we win. Go. I see. You win. Now the fun part, as oh we're all God. pessimistic bastards that we are. <laughs> we'll let Kev start. Kevin, are you ready to start? Give me a head nod if you're ready to start, buddy. Kev had some fun before the pot, I think. I can't quite tell. All right. Who was your biggest letdown of the NHL season this year? Yeah, your mic's muted, homie. Ah, what a f- <laughs> All right, you lose your turn. All right, Connor, <laughs> we'll come back to you, Kevin. No. Connor, who's your biggest letdown in the NHL season so far? Um, hmm. <laughs> the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, yeah, that was mine. That stinks. You took it. What an absolute oh, dumpster fire. Let's do it right now. Let's do it right, right now. now. We'll do it right now. Then Kevin and I will go. The Chicago Blackhawks and Rocky Wirtz are a joke. You had a chance. You had a ball on a tee. That was a softball question. A softball question asked by Mark Lazarus for you to be able to hit out of the park and talk about how good you're doing at protecting your players and how good you're doing at changing your organization. And you reacted like an absolute clown, a clown. I feel so bad for Blackhawk fans because they're a great fan base and they are just getting slapped in the face by this organization back and forth. The most disrespectful thing I've ever heard out of an owner was the, that statement. And then the follow-up question, he was just a bigger asshole. Then they're trying to ask him about season ticket holders. They're like, what do you have to say to your season ticket holders who feel like your tickets are losing value? He's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't And then he, like, he realizes he's being a clown. And he's like, well, that is a question we can answer, but I'm not answering it. It's like, and he's going to give it to someone else. It's like, dude, you are a clown. You're a fossil. Your time's up. Is that good? So <laughs> this press conference actually changed my view. Before this, I was thinking to myself, oh my God, if I was Wurtz, I would be so pissed off that this happened and basically it got buried. And yeah, like I actually thought he didn't know. Like I believed him. Yeah. Well, I I still believe that he didn't know. Yeah, no, I so do I. 
I still believe that I didn't know, but he just, he literally wrote, no one was against Rocky works here. He made every, he just made the whole sports yeah. world hate him. So like, at dude. first I was like, wow, like if I was Rocky Wirtz, like I would be pissed. The people that I hired to take care of my organizations kept me in the dark about this. I had to get rid of them all. I am paying my legal team a shitload of money to try and keep me out of a pickle. And now I'm just doling out, I assume to be, millions of dollars in lawsuits. I was like, man, like if that was me, that would absolutely suck. And then he came out and he did this press conference and he said what he said. And I listened to it probably three to four times in yeah, a row. Yeah, so have I. So have and I. then I looked at it and I thought into my head, fuck you, Rocky Wirtz. Like, yeah, this guy sucks. You had the ability to put your nose to the sky and just do what needed to be done. And you would look like the hero. Everybody would have admired you. And you took the biggest L. That so you just to give imagined. some, just to give some background here, right? Like, so the, the Blackhawks held their, their town hall where all the reporters and credentialed people can go and ask them questions. This wasn't like the writers snuck up on him and asked him some question when he was at the grocery store. This guy was prepared. The Blackhawks suck this year. The biggest news that they've had this whole season is, is the situation with Kyle Beach. All right. That's the biggest news they've had. And it's a topic that they very well should have known was going to come up. The fact that he didn't have an answer. I mean, come on, dude. Like you should have had some politically correct written answer. I'm not saying that's the right answer, but you should have had that at least if that was your opinion. You didn't want to talk about it. So more or less, if anyone didn't hear it, Rocky Wirtz refused to talk about the Kyle Beach situation and what happened to him and the fact that one of his players was being abused under his own nose, under their whole team's nose, and it was covered up for 10 years. He refused to talk about that at the team meeting, acted like a clown, and said that they weren't going to be looking back 10 years from now on a bunch of other BS. I mean, we don't have the ability to play the segment, but you can find it. It was pathetic. The Blackhawks are pathetic. No way Kevin and I and, are better let down than that, but you're right. And there's three new people Oh yeah, weighing you know, lawsuits against the Blackhawks because of this whole scenario with Brad Aldrich. So they're about to take a few more hits to the chin. Yep. Deservingly so. And I think that neither of you should have any other comment or letdown because the Blackhawks are the letdown of the NHL right now. Uh, I guess you could say the Arizona Coyotes playing in a 5,000 seat barn. All right, so that's mine. I'm going to say it now. We're going to jump into mine. Kev will go last because of the Mike situation and the mistakes he's made. He's in trouble. Um, the Arizona Coyotes, even considering playing NHL hockey at Arizona State University's 5,000-seat arena, is pathetic. Get out of the NHL. Get out of the NHL. You don't even belong in the AHL. The Dunkin' Donut Center in Providence, Rhode Island, holds more people than that. Go play in the ECHL. Go play anywhere. You're done. You're d- it's ridiculous. The fact that it's even considered. Like, we wonder why the NHL players have to play so much money in escrow. You want to make jokes? Make jokes about that. That's terrible. The NHLPA should not allow that under any circumstances. You want to make hockey survive in Boston that much? Then, I'm mean, sorry. You want to make hockey survive in Arizona that much? Like, come on. You're going to mortgage the future of that whole all those players, the, the league, that hurts the whole league. Like, that's a joke. 
you see how many people on Twitter call hockey not a real sport? Yeah, they're clowns, but that's just fuel to the fire. It's like they're playing at a college arena. It's like, come on. And it's not like college football where some of the arenas are better than the NFL stadiums. This is not that. It's a 5,000-seat arena. You're telling me that we're going to have Connor Bedard possibly, right, playing there in two years? We're going to have Shane Wright playing there next year? That's a joke. Sorry to our uh, – Arizona Coyotes writer, if you listen to this podcast on Inside the Rink, I'm sorry, but I, I think that I saw that you liked it. I think that's a joke. I didn't tell you directly, but now I am. I think anyone who supports the Coyotes playing in a 5,000-seat arena has no concept of the economics within an NHL team, so that's a joke. Connor, you have anything to say about that? Nope. It's Kevin's turn to uh, you know, take that belt-high fastball and give us his L of the year. I am I'm unmuting you. I can't unmute yeah, you. Yeah, no, I'm I'm here, guys. I did a little soul searching. Um, oh my god, dude. You're this is an oh, RA type performance. I know, guys. It was bad. It's bad. I mean, for me, it, it's like the Islanders. Like you went from being what was that? I was just looking it up. But um in 2021, you went from being a 71 point team. So now, like, you're not even 500. Like, I, it's like pretty much the same team. So, for me, that's tough. And I don't see it getting better for them. Yeah, calling them a 71 point team is tough because they're on pace for 71 points. But I'm just kidding because in reality, in reality, it was just, um, it was just the, I can't think right now. There was the half season. That's why. But we'll keep going. Let's get this thing moving here. When we really look like I have one thing, like who are our who are our Stanley Cup favorites this year, Connor? Who do you have that you think like if you give one team before we kind of move move things along here, who is your Stanley Cup favorite? Well, I already said on a previous podcast the New York Rangers. Okay. That's fair. I think the Rangers is a solid pick. I think my Stanley Cup favorite right now is the Carolina Hurricanes, I think they're deep in all sections, and I think that they have great coaching. So I'm going Hurricanes. From there, I kind of just want to fire through some topics. We really – I mean, Evander Kane's playing well. That's on our list. You know, I don't really – I don't love Kane. I don't think any of us love Kane. He's in a good situation for himself. Good luck. Play well. Don't ruin that organization any more than it already is. I think that kind of sums that one up, right? It's like then we look tonight. You got the all-star skills competition tonight, so – that should be fun to watch. 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. Jump on. Give that a watch. Connor, that's on regular ESPN, correct? I believe so. I think it's on ESPN and ESPN Plus. And then the All-Star Game tomorrow will be on ABC as well. Okay, nice. Just making sure people can actually watch it. Um, I am happy to see they brought in some people to like make it fun. I, I heard that you actually told me the NFL players might be involved, so that would be pretty cool to see with the skills competition. They're supposed um, to be some. And if there wasn't, you know, COVID happening, there was actually supposed to be many, many more from what I've heard. Good to see the leagues working together. That does nothing but help. Um, All-Star game is kind of a gimmick now. I really wish it was just the two teams that played each other and it wasn't all this little stupid tournament. But whatever. I'm going to watch it. It'll be what it'll be. I wish we were watching best on best hockey. Um, I think we'll save our Olympic talk for next episode because we have no hockey this next week. So we'll probably jump into that next week. Um, maybe we'll bring Connor on again next week. We'll see for a special little Super Bowl episode. 
But I think that kind of wraps it up here for this week of Q the Duck Boats. I think the biggest things that we're looking at in this next coming week is all the teams are going to get healthy. They need to rebound strong coming off the breaks. We're excited for the All-Star games. And we're excited to see maybe if some teams start to make a, a move now that they're on the back half of the season. I think those are our biggest things to look out for. And we're going to follow up next week with probably a short hockey start. And then we're going to get we're really going to dive deep into some great bets and some great odds and how we're feeling about the Super Bowl. So it was great to for anyone who's listening. It was great to have you this week, Connor. It was great to have you every week, Kev. Um, thank you for coming. I'll be back. Oh, will you? Kev? Thank you for coming, buddy. Oh, I was happy to be here, Jake. Glad. Glad to hear it. Um, one Glad last to thing. see you muted a bunch of yeah. times, Kev. Yeah. 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 Hey, I did not mute myself for that one. So. Yeah, it was a tough, <laughs> tough performance today. You'll be better next week, though. Kevin never has a bad week two weeks in a row. He, he guarantees a success at least 50% of the time. Uh, don't forget, if anyone wants to get any T-shirts or sweatshirts with the coolest logo on podcasting, the Cue the Duck Post logo, you can get them right now at our partner inside the rinks website, go to the podcast section and go to the merch section and grab some cue the duck boats merch. We appreciate every purchase. We appreciate every listen. And you need to get all your hockey news from that website too. Inside the rink is coming out with content daily and it's only getting better and better. We have some great announcements coming soon. I can't wait to give them to you. I just not allowed to yet. Connor and Ray won't let me. So we're getting it all figured out. We're getting everything moving and, Thank you for coming. Give us a follow at Q the Duck Boats with a Z on Twitter. And that's peace out. <laughs>